We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And guys, a couple pods ago, we showed the Clippers some respect, right, for fighting through adversity, for Kawhi going down and they beat Utah, they... There were several points where they could have folded and packed it up. And and Paul George had a great game, had a 40-point game. And we showed them some respect on it. And I was explaining, you know, I got two different loyalties when it comes to basketball. One's for the Lakers and one's for the sport of basketball. Those mostly intersect. But there are times where I have to tip my cap because my basketball loyalties are like, hey, that was good basketball. And then last night, Kawhi Leonard decided it was time that he would grace his teammates with his presence on the bench. Now that they were actually playing well and getting some shine, he wanted to be a little bit closer. Steve Ballmer has one of the strangest celebrations I've ever seen, even for Steve Ballmer. And then Patrick Beverly does like some of the weakest shit you'll ever see on a court. And it was a nice reminder of like, oh, that's right. That's why I don't like these guys. So Darius, the Clippers are eliminated. (laughs) Laker fans (laughs) worldwide rejoice. How you feeling? Me? Yeah, you. How, how, how do you feel at this point? How do you feel about the Clippers? Like, just in a general sense, I've never really gotten your, like, I don't, so I, as a little bit older, I have way more heat for the Celtics than I have for oh, yes. the, the Clippers. Yeah, and I, yeah, you do too, right? But that's part of our age because a lot of the people that follow us and that listen to the show that are younger, it's the Clippers for them. It's not the Celtics. And it makes sense, right? It's, it's a newer thing. No. No, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Why would that I'm make not sense? I agree, but I understand. No. So, I mean, if the biggest thing to you in terms of rivalry is proximity, and the biggest thing to you is regular season games where one team happened to be the best that they had ever been in the history of their franchise while the Lakers were probably the worst that they had ever been in the history of their franchise. And you count that as some sort of like these games matter and you value those 
for some reason, then maybe the Clippers are more important to you than the Celtics. I studied history in college. The Clippers are historically just not in a place where I would consider them even like the second or third most like historical important rival for the Lakers. I would probably even put the Spurs, um, maybe even the Jazz for all the battles that the Lakers had with them, like throughout the 80s and the Stockton and Malone era above the Clippers. Now, in terms of where I am at with like the Clippers as as a team, I thought it was appropriate that we showed them a certain amount of respect. They have fought hard these entire playoffs. Um, They let go of the rope in game six and credit Phoenix in the same way that I'm that I wanted to credit Phoenix a little bit more than sort of disparage the Lakers when the Suns beat the Lakers in the way that they beat them. I thought the Suns and this time it was Chris Paul instead of Devin Booker. I thought Chris Paul really sort of took control of that game, which which was a talking point, Mike, that we had sort of explored at the end of the last pod that Pete referenced when, when we were talking about the Clippers in terms of exercising demons. Right. And we had talked about Paul George sort of exercising some of his demons in in game five. And Chris Paul did the same, I think, in in game six for the Suns. The last thing I will say about the Clippers is like, yeah, Pat Bev, like go sit in the corner somewhere and like chill out for a little bit. Like take a timeout, my guy. This dude was running his mouth the entire series. He put Chris Paul on skates very impressively. That one possession, he got a layup and before the ball was even through the hoop, he was turning at Chris Paul and running his mouth about how, like, whatever he was saying, just hyping himself up. And, you know, I'm a fan of, I go back to old school hip hop. There's always a hype man on stage, right? And Pat Bev is his own hype man. He hypes himself up. He's like, all the time, I'm, I'm juicing myself up. I'm juicing Wait myself up. Exactly. And, <laughs> and at the end no of the game. Get that reference. I've looked at the tape, the view that's showing Chris Paul's face as they walk, like that camera angle. I didn't even really see Chris Paul say anything to Pat Bev as they walked past each other, but he did give him that look like, oh, like where's the talking now? And he didn't even say anything with his mouth. He said it all with his eyes and all with with the look like, yeah, like y'all going home now. Go get back on the beach with your Tims and go train a little bit more <laughs> to see if you can keep up with me, right? He, it was that sort of inspiration. And Pat Bev came and shoved him right in the back. Like, if that happened anywhere else in the world, yeah, besides, it's on right there. It's on. These dudes are fighting for real. To speak to your last point, Pete, about that's why we don't like these dudes. That's why Pat Bev to me is just like, look, I respect the competition. I respect playing hard. He is, in the words of Charlie Murphy, he is a habitual line stepper. Mm-hmm. That's why it's just like, oh, nah, man, I'm going to rejoice a little bit and I'm going to get my laughs in about these dudes. Respect for game five. Now it's time to laugh. Yeah, so... So you guys don't have to Google of our younger audience. Flavor Flav was the hype man, hype beast for Public Enemy. Um, yeah, boy was like his main thing. This is way back in the day. A slightly more current hype man might be 
Jeannie, please clip these clips of Mike saying, yeah, boy, and Flavor Flav for future <laughs> abuses, please. Anyway, carry on, the, Mike. <laughs> yeah, the uh, slightly more current hype man. So Puff Daddy was a hype man in a way for Biggie, although that's a little bit more complicated because he was also the producer and like the mastermind in a way of some things. But uh, so anyway, that, those are that's the reference to get out of the way. As for the Beverly thing, I actually I know a lot of people that really that like say Pat Bev is really cool off the floor. When you're on the floor, though, and you're engaging in the type of stuff that we all see and, and Darius laid out pretty clearly, you got to be able to take it, too. And Chris Paul also dishes it out on the court. Uh, and he does it through histrionics. He does it through like the, the, the foul that he drew on DeMarcus Cousins, that type of stuff. Right. He does it through knowing every single technicality of the rule, famously with like the Jersey and tuck thing. So there's a lot of stuff where but you, you got to be able to take it, too. And and that's the case where you can't turn around and shove the dude in the back. And, and we all know that it, it sort of it brought echoes of a little bit of like Bynum and that whole thing with J.J. Barea, like in a different way. Right. That was a dangerous play, but it was a frustration foul. And this one, when you push a dude, it's one thing to give him a shove, but he pushed him like right under the neck. You know, like it's just not not a good look. So that that's um, I, I think we handled that part. The whole Clipper thing. I, so Darius mentioned he was a history major. I, I shout out to history majors. I was a double major in history. And I came out to L.A. when I got the job. And I was like, I really need to dive in to I'm going to work for the Lakers. I have to dive into Lakers history. And so I went year by year and really tried to understand the team uh, that, that I was going to be covering. And there's almost if you look at the whole Laker history, there's just no mention or real relevance of the Clippers throughout that throughout that time when you're going through it. And so this is a. As I don't need to tell you guys or most people listening to the podcast, there is this deep, profound, like familial love for the purple and gold in L.A. that was so obvious the second I got here. And it stood out in distinction to the team that I grew up with. And uh, at least to an extent, they started when I was like 10. But the Timberwolves, who didn't have that same uh, that same level. So I think once once the Lakers and this really started to turn some once Chris Paul went there to speak of Chris Paul, of course, in this series. And because the Clippers started to get good, the Lakers were coming off of the back-to-back titles. Uh, you know, Kobe was had torn the Achilles, and they were going the other way. And there was just this sense in the city right around the time I got to seven ten uh, ESPN that you know the Clippers were kind of coming for the turf. And so I think a lot of this stuff has been a reaction to that from Laker fans, who are like, the turf is not cannot be 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 uh, taken, <laughs> you know. And like that, that's where a lot of this stuff sort of started. Um, I've I've always just kind of been in the simple position of, look, it's a Lakers town and not even really engaged uh, with it. But yeah, but it looks like you guys want to get back to that. You can speak to the history uh, and, and all of that stuff. Well, I, I actually want to speak to the turf, too. I, you made a great point that that was what I wanted to respond with. I think that being in L.A., there's a couple components that not being in L.A., you wouldn't see this. Those billboards that I'm sure you've seen online, Darius, those were all yeah. over the city last year. Like any freeway that you would take, I'm driving down the 10 freeway and I'm in like freaking Alhambra, East LA type area off the 60, right? And I'm like, there's another like streetlights yeah. over spotlights over here. I'm on the 405. LA way. I'm on the yeah. 105. I'm on the 110 right by Staples Center, right? I'm seeing all of these. And every one of them is a subtweet basically of the Lakers. On top of that, this one bothers me a little bit more because I'd like to see us do more of this. Most of the basketball courts, the outdoor basketball courts in L.A. have a Clippers logo on them now. If you go play or if you go drive by them, they did an initiative where a lot of the – and good on them, right? They did a lot of like refurbishment 
for local courts and things like that. Part of that, we're going to put that Clippers logo up on, on there. And so there's a that battle for the turf that Mike was talking about. On the ground in LA is a, is a thing in which, like Mike said, the Lakers, LA is such a Lakers town that there's a certain degree of like, how yeah. dare you? put this out and for me personally i'm hey, bring it like may the best team win may the best franchise win and so that's why i'd like if the lakers if the clippers bring it and they play well i don't have a, a hate on that i can hate on the pat bev and the balmer stuff and, and all of that but to me i i like the push almost because i feel like we can get complacent in certain aspects because like we're always going to be kings of la so we don't have to try very hard i want to see us try hard even if we're if we are yeah, in but position. i don't the Clippers don't play a part in that equation to me as like a Lakers fan in terms of wanting to see the best out of the Lakers. Like I understand the turf argument that you're making and the sort of irritation. Like I think it was in the LA times and it might've been Plashkey, I think that wrote an article about Lakers fans being almost gleeful in their opportunity to root against the Clippers at this time when the Clippers are the last Los Angeles team standing in the playoffs. And our boy Drew Unga on Twitter, Drew's great longtime Lakers fan, like season ticket holder. Drew's just got a great historical perspective, like on the Lakers too. And he's made this same point that you're making, Pete, about like, like, don't come after my kids, man, which is what, like what the Clippers are doing. Right. Like there he he's like, look, sell your like you're the Clippers. You want to rebrand. You want to do all of this stuff like I get it. Right. You want to forge your own identity and sort of like build up your name and, and be competitive within the city. But don't be trying to like disparage the Lakers and like move in on like my family and like give my kids backpacks at school and like all of this other stuff where it's just like, like, nah, man, like y'all coming at us a little bit from the side and I'm not feeling that. So, so I, I get what you're saying. It's just that stuff to me is still sort of just like, ah, like y'all are flailing. You have to win something. You're not going to win my hearts through billboards and through outreach. All that stuff is great. Don't get me wrong, but that doesn't mean anything to me as a Lakers fan. And so, of course, the players, right, the players themselves have probably varying degrees, but probably not much thought into all of this stuff that a fan base might think of. And I'm talking about, like, in this case, the Clipper players. And so going against Phoenix uh, now, unless Pete, if you want to get back in, I was going to transition to the game uh, for a sec, just thinking about, like, how this series played out. And, you know, the biggest difference to me in this game six was Chris Paul. And I drew the I drew the equation. I kind of made the parallel to Dennis Schroeder a little bit once uh, with being out with the health and safety protocols, being out for 11 days and comes back and is really struggling to find his way, whether it's time or rhythm or shape or whatever it is. And Chris Paul had a, a like a very, very similar to a LeBron closeout game. Uh, and I, I tweeted this last night, like the numbers even were very similar to LeBron last year against the Nuggets. Closeout game five. So LeBron, 38 points, 15 for 25 from the field, 16 boards, 10 assists. One of those like, okay, yeah, that, that's that's the LeBron game. You need a superstar game to close out sometimes because, you know, teams are going to be fighting. Chris Paul, 41 points, 16 of 24 field goals. So he made one more, took one fewer, eight assists, zero turnovers. 
And especially in the, in the fourth quarter, it was just hitting everything. And that ultimately was the difference because the Clippers were once again, they were making a push back. And Chris Paul was like, no, you know, this is this is not the time. They hadn't had that earlier. They hadn't really had a Booker game. Uh, I think after he broke the nose, now he was really good in this one. He attacked the basket much better, which is a, a good way to beat the small ball. But they finally, instead of just like the, the Clippers small ball thing, I think did give them some problems. But finally, they just put their heads down, and especially Paul and Booker, which they weren't able to do for health, mostly reasons, and they finally got it done. Uh, now, the fact that Kawhi wasn't there, I think, takes away some heat from it, right? It takes it takes a little bit of pizzazz away from, all right, going to the finals. But they they finally did the job, and, you know, meanwhile, the Clippers uh, just, you know, they, they didn't have – Paul George didn't have any pop left, really. Um, and I, I, I get the whole thing about how he's played the most minutes at that point, but – it was it was Chris Paul to me, uh, Pete. That was the main difference in this one, and that was what won the game ultimately. Absolutely, I'm so glad you brought this up. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to address the Chris Paul point. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. These playoffs have been sticking in my craw a bit because of the injuries. And again, having those separate basketball and Lakers loyalties, I know it can sound like it's Lakers bitterness. And on some level it is, right? That had we only been healthy, we would be here instead, right? We would be the ones going to the finals. That said, that's happened several times throughout Lakers history where an injury derailed what we hoped. So it's like a bummer, but it's not... I haven't been bothered by these playoffs because of that, but because of the extent of the injuries, there's such, such an absence of superstars that Chris Paul's performance illustrates this in that most teams, when you get to this level of play, conference finals level of play, have two guys who can do that in an, in a game. They might not do it in a similar way, and one may be able to get to a higher level than the other, but 
for most NBA playoffs, by this point, you have to deal with some MFers at this point who can do some incredible things. And when the stakes are high like this and you have the best players in the world, that's where the best basketball is produced. And everybody's playing at a high level. But Marcus Morris's peak or Reggie Jackson's peak, as wonderful as they were, is not a Kawhi Leonard peak. And so I... So from a basketball fan perspective, Darius, I've been a little bit irritated by these playoffs in that this isn't the caliber of play that I'm used to or the caliber of players. And Chris Paul's performance last night was interesting in that I wasn't he had been kind of a problem for them in this series in terms of how they performed. And then he pulls out a superstar caliber performance. Now, I would argue that the top guys can do it more frequently than I think CP3 can do at this point. I don't think it's going to be necessary considering the remaining opponents but lebron can do the type of performance that mike uh, that mike listed more than once in a series it could be three four times in a series if it if necessary that said i i've really felt the absence of those guys in these playoffs and i don't want to be like a bitter laker fan but i feel like i'm a bitter basketball fan more than a bitter laker fan in this respect i mean i think i fall somewhere in the middle with all of that um i do the extent to which injuries have played a role and the absence of some of these these guys. And to me, the way that it's influenced series results, that's that's a bu- that's a bummer mm-hmm. to me. Like it doesn't make me upset necessarily. It makes me disappointed that it couldn't have been different. Like this is where though, because I when I'm not rooting for the Lakers, I root for I a lot of times I root for the players as people. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I no longer have a team loyalty here. And, and so what is a good story or who do I want to see sort of break through or that was a great Giannis game or look at KD do his thing or even Chris Paul last night like. Like, look, Chris Paul's not my favorite dude. He is he is grading <laughs> the sort of living on the edge in terms of his exploitation of the rules and the way that he sort of there was a that foul. I think you referenced it earlier, Mike, but that foul that he drew on Cousins, um, he draws one or two of those fouls a game. Like there was a play, I think it might have been even a Marcus Morris play in this game too, or maybe it was that Cousins play, but it's just like, he had the ball. His team is racing out. They want to go on a fast break. But Chris Paul sees a dude stumbling towards him, like a guy who was chasing the long rebound and his momentum is carrying him a certain way. So rather than get out of the way, Chris Paul sort of takes a half a step towards that dude gets knocked over and then draws a foul, right? And there is an advantage gained in that, right? But I would also argue, and there's no way to to like quantify this, but Chris Paul is one of those players who is looked at as having like a bunch of bad luck over the course of his career, like a pulled hamstring, a messed up shoulder, a a tweak in his knee, like all all of this stuff. And I would argue that when you're 5'11", 6 foot, right, 175 pounds or whatever he is, that maybe you shouldn't be looking to get hit 
so much. Maybe you shouldn't spend so much time trying to fall on the ground because those are things that impact your body, right? Like if I look at a guy like LeBron, who is not that size, he's 6'9", 275 and can take a beating to uh, to a certain extent. But LeBron's one of those dudes where he never wants to fall down. He never wants to be on the ground. He He's always trying to find a way to not to avoid contact, but he doesn't go out of his way to hit someone or take a hit himself. And I think that that plays into sort of that longevity as well as like being a guy who is just a specimen of a human being. Missing all the stars does sort of have me in a place where I'm just like, ah, it's frustrating. But the flip side is, is like, I've enjoyed watching Trey Young go off and the opportunities that are afforded other players because of the other stars who we have, who we already know who, who are missing. I have appreciated that aspect of it. And to now see Chris Paul get to a mm-hmm. finals after 16 seasons, you think Chris Paul is worried that like Kawhi Leonard was hurt? He's not. He doesn't, he care, doesn't at care at all yeah. because Chris Paul knows that it was his hamstring pull that probably cost him a trip to the finals when he was with the Rockets. And allowed the Warriors to continue to to advance. And, and so, like, this stuff happens all of the time. The extent to which it's happened this year, Mike, has been disappointing to me. And, and it's been a bummer. But I'm just sort of just like, embrace the stories we have and enjoy the basketball. Because like you said at the beginning, Pete, like, we're basketball fans. Yeah, so it's a, it's a really good way to look at it. And I want to – I was asked a question about if this season – is an asterisk season more so than last year in the bubble, uh, which is an interesting one to get into. And I think actually there's a clear answer. I want to touch on what you said about Chris Paul first though, Darius and kind of finding stories and finding players to root for. And, you know, so Chris Paul, had he not played for the Clippers and had all of that context, I think for, especially for people in, in later universe, there's a, there's a little bit way of different, like different way of looking at it. And I personally relate in some ways, because I, I have this overcompetitive aspect of my personality too, and I've rain, I've kind of learned <laughs> over time to rein it in. And part of it's because I've had to, right? And part of that's because Mike, this is the reined in version of your competitiveness. Oh, very much so, very much so. Wow. I so so you can just use the example of like Uno. And so when I was when I was even still in high school, I might I might drop an extra Uno card. Like if you have seven, I might I might stick one behind the card and actually cheat and put it down um, and, and get away with it and then like feel badly about myself, but wow. take the win. <laughs> and and that, now as I got later in high school, I find like <laughs> so I, I evolved. So I, I'm saying now I didn't cheat like when I was playing sports, but in that case it was so easy to do so. And and so like I now I will not do wow. that. I will not beat my like my kids. I will not slide in an extra. I, I, the purity of winning I have finally learned, and it does not feel as good when you win if you cheat. And but like when I was playing sports, this is a little bit of a counterexample. I I respected the game enough where I was not like in soccer. I was not a a fake foul drawer. Um, I just wouldn't play like that. So if I got kicked from behind and I actually got kicked, like I would go down, but I wouldn't I wouldn't sell it to get a call. 
which is weird because it's kind of you, yeah, it's, it's opposite. Like because that has that has refs, right? That has someone who's in charge of saying you cheated, right? Whereas Uno does not. What's the moral difference there for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so but the point is that I struggled with this throughout Sorry. my life, and, and eventually, <laughs> like I finally have gotten a handle on. But I, I have the Chris Paul instinct to win, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the I have the desperation. Um, and I even still have that now, but like I, I, I have practiced enough of reining it in that I can rein it in. And, and I hate to talk about myself this much, but it does. I do kind of I can see that. In, and I think that's what it is with Chris Paul. I really do. I mm-hmm. think that there is a desperation. Mm-hmm. And, and also you have to factor in what Darius said earlier. He is a small dude in a big man sport. And that and that part of it plays out as well. Like that's part of that. Like th- th- I think about Derek Fisher a little bit, who was a little bit bigger, but like he had that chip, man, also. And like not again, not in the same way that Chris Paul had, but Fish, it's hot. You can't you can't be next to Kobe in a backcourt and be perfectly com- comfortable not swinging the ball and shooting yourself unless you've got that like that real dog in you. So I kind of I've grown to really admire that um, and as, as opposed to kind of the, there were some years where that Clipper team just drove me and I think everybody crazy. Uh, watching them play with Blake and DeAndre and Doc and Chris all complaining, all whining, you know, all taking that any little extra inch they could. And now I've sort of come to uh, to respect it a little bit more from Chris. Yeah, I mean, this is something that I think all of us can relate to on some level. I do think, Mike, you have heavy doses of that. And I uh, that was fantastic that you that you shared that. Right. And if, you know, Chris Paul in the finals, if he finds himself in a dire position, I would see him doing some very crazy things. That was the thing about this series with him, Darius, is that I was for most of the series that that he played, obviously came back in game three. I was like, he's BSing way more than normal. There are all sorts of basketball decisions when a guard, a ball handler in particular, is coming off a ball screen and he can shoot, he can pass, but he can also pull up and shot fake. And this is something that is really in CP3's arsenal, is that ability to calmly fake a guy out of his shoes and then take a wide open 12 footer as a result of that. I saw him passing up so many shots like that in the first few games of the series where he could have taken the shot and he turned up the, I'm trying to draw a foul here to as high as I've seen him do it, which is really saying something. And when he would have normally just taken the shot and drilled an elbow jumper, and so seeing him hit a superstar level, even if just for a game, how does that – we don't know who's coming out of the East as of yet, but how does that project forward to how you see them uh, – to how you see them proceeding through yeah, the finals? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I thought hindsight says that Mike was very much correct like in the moment about Chris Paul like needing time, just needing time more than anything else, right? And so – I a lot of times look for like X's and O's or tactical like answers to questions that I have about the game. Um, first, right? I don't ignore the other stuff, but for me, I was just like, hey, you know, is is the Clippers switching style giving Chris Paul issues, or are these bigger wings? give giving them issues and i think some of that stuff was was true i think that some of that was he needed to adjust his style a little bit like one of the things that they did in game six both guards booker and paul is i thought that they attacked more to go to the to actually get to the rim 
rather than driving into spaces where their mid-range mm. was their first option, right? Great point. Like, yeah, that's the key point. That's the key point against that small ball group, right? Like that. Well, also, yeah. they broke them out of the zone. That's the reason why that happened is zone takes away certain things but gives up others, and man does as well. And it their zone worked really well for them in game five, the Clippers zone, that is. And that helps mitigate Aiton because they're a little bit smaller. It also helps mitigate those driving lanes to the basket that you're talking about. But once they got out of it and into man, that was going to be a buck 30 game, buck 25 plus for the Suns as, as long as yeah, they were in man. But there was a mentality shift with, that came with that too, right? It was like, oh, there's a crease here. I'm not just snaking, right? The the whole playoffs, the Suns have been like snake the dribble, snake the dribble, or snake the pick and roll, snake, 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 elbow jumper, elbow jumper. And it's been like clockwork. And there have really been no bigs that they faced besides Anthony Davis. And some Andre Drummond, but mm. really Anthony Davis. Yeah. I know, right? It's frustrating just to mm-hmm. think, just to think mm-hmm. back about it, right? Mm-hmm. Who has been able mm-hmm. to sort of contain that and play in that middle ground to decline that jumper while still not allowing the big to like roll on you and eat at the front front of the rim. The Clippers tried something different. They said, we're going to play a little bit more zone. We're going to switch on you more. We're going to put bigger defenders on you. It took a long time, I feel like, for the Suns to readjust back and say, hey, maybe trying to get into 15-foot jumpers isn't the play here when they have no rim protection. Maybe going all the way to the basket and making these guys stop us in the restricted area is the better approach. And this is always why I favored the Lakers, and I think the three of us did, in a potential matchup with the Clippers. And this goes back to the start of the previous season uh, when, you know, it was it was very sexy in the media to pick the Clippers to win. And I just kept thinking when it all comes down to it, the Clippers best lineup is to go small. The Lakers best lineup is to go small. And what is going to stop LeBron and AD from getting to the rim? And what on the other end is going to allow the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, those guys like to shoot jump shots more than they do finish at the rim, A. And B, you got AD and LeBron coming over to protect the rim. And George and Kawhi don't do that to the same extent. And I that I get it that that's kind of a basic part of it, but that to me was the, that was what makes this, this Laker team special. We've talked about it for two year, for a, a long time now, and I like we never got to see it in these two years. But like I, I I will stand by that opinion, and I think the Suns just bore that out, even with Booker and to an extent Paul and to an extent Campaign, who should have been more aggressive with his drive. Uh, like that is the difference with the Clippers and the Lakers. Well, I think. Mike. To go back like a year and a half, I thought the key matchup between the Lakers and and the Clippers was that game in that weekend where the Lakers played both the Clippers and the Bucks, and that was a close game, right? And LeBron was great down down the stretch, but he was great down the stretch in a very specific way. It was like, yeah, y- y'all are going to go small. I'm getting right to the basket. It doesn't matter if Kawhi is on me. It doesn't matter if Paul George is on me. It doesn't matter if Marcus Morris is on me. Like, oh, y'all want to switch? I'm gonna find. I'm gonna find whatever small guard you have out there. He hunted Lou Williams relentlessly, and I'm sure he would have done that this season to 
Luke Kennard. He he probably would have even done it. It sounds weird, but I bet he would have picked on Terrence Mann a little bit. Mann's a really good defender, but he's not like as strong and he's and small. and doesn't have mm-hmm. a great base. He like he would have picked on Morris, right? And he would have found his way. And you and the thing is, is the Lakers can play that way even with AD on the floor. They can still space AD to the corner, and LeBron can run pick and roll with guards. He can run it with KCP. He can run it with Alex Caruso. He could even run it with Dennis Schroeder. There would have been a bunch of opportunities even for LeBron to be a screener in a series against a team that goes small. There are so many missed opportunities, and this speaks to Pete's point about like that disappointment and and that sort of frustration as where your Laker allegiances and your basketball allegiances where that's right in the middle of the Venn diagram here because mm-hmm. it would have been great mm-hmm. to see all of these playoffs, I feel like. To me, the best outcome as a Lakers fan but as a basketball fan would have been, let's see... LeBron and AD go up against KD, Harden, and Kyrie, like in the finals. Like I, that's what we all would have wanted, right? So, and I would have loved to have seen LeBron and AD go up against a healthy Kawhi and Paul George in the Western Conference Finals, right? Like, like that was the collision course we were hoping for that last season, and we didn't get it. And we were hoping for it this season, and this season it was injuries, I feel like, that that robbed us of the potential for that. Yeah, it's less, for me, the results, or the it had to be the Lakers in Brooklyn, and I'm not even talking full strength, because players, play, players get hurt in the playoffs. That isn't unusual. What's unusual is the lack of superstars, the lack of guys, the number of guys who can do what Chris Paul did in Game 6 were about halved in the NBA, across the NBA. And so if Milwaukee had beaten a full strength Brooklyn team, good on Milwaukee. Let's play Milwaukee in the finals. I wouldn't have been disappointed. Oh, I really wanted to see KD and and Harden and Kyrie versus LeBron and AD. I mean, that would have been great, of course, but it was more about may the best team win. And the absence of that opportunity for the best team to win is why these playoffs. Look, there have been plenty of playoffs where. Not just the Lakers were hurt, but they completely flamed out in ways that were Im- are whenever we whenever we lose in general, it tends to be fairly spectacular. We can we are more capable of crashing and burning than any other franchise in in the NBA. It's part of our DNA. And so it's not a matter of like being upset from a Lakers perspective. It's that Mike, I feel just robbed of that opportunity. Yeah. So one of the differences, though, in sports and in, in the NBA specifically is that the best team usually does win in the NBA. The best team doesn't often win in baseball. It's a little bit more arbitrary. Like Once you get to a hot postseason run or a pitcher, the best team doesn't always win in hockey, certainly. The best team definitely doesn't always win in soccer. Uh, the best team doesn't always win in the NFL, although I think that actually is a little bit – that's that's uh, more more than people think with the whole like, oh, everybody's got a chance. It really ends up being the same five or six franchises. But like in basketball, and this, of course, goes down to the, the number of people on the court and the influence that a couple of stars can have. But so I, I just would – I would say, though, that for from a Lakers perspective, definitely yes. From a Brooklyn perspective, sure. But the fun thing about this year – for the NBA is that you are going to have a completely new winner. You are going to have a fan base that 
uh, that, you know, For sure. just didn't feel like they had a real chance. Like when, when the, even the Bucks, I don't know if they really believed when they looked at Brooklyn, they looked at the Lakers. I don't know if they really believed they could win. Phoenix definitely didn't. Like their fan base didn't even believe in DeAndre Ayton a month and a half ago. And, and I don't know that they should have, right, based on the way that he was playing until he kind of really figured it out. And, and so like that part of it, as much as the like that would be the pushback for me is that that like you, it's not always the most fun for the best team to win uh, from a from a league wide standpoint. But the 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 bummer part of it, I think, is more the injury part. And, and I'm sure, Pete, this is kind of what you referenced, because if a team like last year, the Clippers went down to the Nuggets, that was on them. That was their fault. It wasn't injuries. It wasn't anything. The Lakers went down this and that's year. Great. Yeah. yeah. And so and, and that to me, that's to me is the difference. And I don't think you're saying that. Right. I think you're, you're not saying like, oh, it would have been uh, the team that the best team has to win. It's more like we didn't get to see uh, they didn't get knocked off. Right. Like like right. the Clippers did last year. They, they they got beaten by injuries in the bubble tax. And, and that does right. suck. Same thing with right. And like the 2011 Lakers that we've talked about, it, Dallas kicked our ass. And we were full strength. There was no a hey, tip of the cap to, to the Dallas Mavericks. It's being being robbed of that opportunity, right? And yep. it also diminishes the caliber of basketball. It did that the number of guys who can do what Chris Paul did in game six, being there not being as many of those guys on the court, it just changes the game at, at a really high level at this point. And you know, that's gonna happen sometimes. One last point there, Pete, is that in a way, though the decrease in number of those guys has leveled the playing field in a very in, in a fun. very interesting mm-hmm. way where you do sort of some of these guys aren't stars but they get their they get their star opportunity right and so like i imagine in my own made up world that lou williams was sort of like burying three pointers and like f you mike Tridell. Like, like that's right. You said I can't do this in the playoffs. I've I've hit this three just for you, right? But those moments where it's sort of like, okay, like here's a Bogdanovich, and here's a like these sort of Reggie, the Jackson. Reggie Jackson, or even the Marcus Morris, or some of the these guys, and so it makes for compelling basketball, and that's why as a fan, it's sort of like I'm disappointed, but I'm also intrigued. Right. And it's why I love the game. It's it's and it's why I always say that I'm a basketball fan first and then I'm a Lakers fan second. Right. Because without without my love of basketball, I couldn't love the Lakers. And that's that's why the playoffs continue to intrigue me. And it's why the Suns being in the finals, I will find storylines and things that I appreciate about the Suns and and when we have more information about who they will play, we'll talk about that. And, and it'll be great to break it down that way. This gets back to the earlier thing that I had mentioned about asterisk seasons, right? And how some people want to put that on the bubble. And I think that now with the benefit of seeing this season and the nine plus all-stars that have missed games and the seasons that clearly ended because of injuries to the Lakers, to the Nets, this would be more, much more of an asterisk uh, than last season because last season in the bubble, uh, everybody was healthy for the most part. Like the teams that got there were healthy. I get Miami uh, was banged up in the finals, but uh, other than that, really, like Denver was healthy. Boston was pretty healthy. 
the Clippers were healthy. Like the teams that made runs had their guys uh, in that bubble environment, and that just hasn't been the case this year. So that's that's all part of it, um, and it's it's contextualized to the point where you're thinking, what's the weakest team that advanced to the NBA Finals in the last 20, 30 years? And I, uh, Ben Golliver the other told me this yesterday, that like, and we kind of agreed it's probably the Knicks in the uh, when they went advanced to play the sport in '99. But like that team was also that was like that was a pretty good team. It just was the way that the season happened and the lockout and everything. Like it, it the seating was a little bit thrown off, but like that team had some dudes uh, and it had some real some vets. And now, like if the Hawks make the finals this year, you know that has to be the new the new answer. And I don't think Fe- like Phoenix is a good team. They're certainly not a great team, but they're not one of the stronger finals teams. Uh, I don't think of of the last several years. This there. is very much like the seventies in terms of NBA, like the late 70s, in terms of like NBA teams who were making the finals. There was a year where the Supersonics won the championship. There was a year where the Trailblazers won the championship. And like, those were really good teams. One of those teams was like facing the Bullets. Where are the... In Washington. Yeah, like, where are the historical greats? And my flip side argument to that is, but... Dudes make their names off of those types of runs that those teams make. I have nothing more to add. I'm going to appreciate whoever comes out of this because they 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 paid their tax too this season. And the circumstances in which they have to play are the same as everyone else. Like they had to play in the condensed schedule. They had to play with no fans. They had like all of those same variables that that hurt the Lakers or hurt the Nets. The attrition is higher this year, but it's like every team faced it. And and so kudos to these guys for being able to make it through this specific gauntlet. Yeah. I, I don't think it's coincidence that probably the strangest season in NBA history is going to end with its strangest champion and its unlikeliest champion and one of them at the very least the Knicks made it to the finals they did not win the finals a a team that had a couple of superstars that was a legit like that's an NBA champion caliber team did end up winning the whole thing and I don't think that in an in not just in a normal year but in pretty much any other year we could look back at Toronto a couple years ago winning well Toronto got through they got very fortunate in the finals it wasn't their entire playoff run though They got through Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. They got through Giannis and Chris Middleton. Everybody that they went up against in that run had their dudes until the finals. I've never seen a team get all the way here that didn't face anybody that had. Phoenix won one game, that game won against us, where the team had their their top two guys for the full game, you know? And I've never seen that before. That said, enjoyable basketball can happen at any level of competition and at any level of caliber of teams. And Let's hope for that in, in the finals. Anyway, we've gone a little long. You've heard, I'm sure, uh, some news about David Fisdale possibly signing on with the Lakers. We as a policy are going to wait until things are formalized and formally signed before we really get into that topic. And if that happens over the weekend, we'll get into that and a lot more next week on the Laker Film Room podcast. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Rebound is Lonnie. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds.
that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Let's go. Unbelievable. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.